Wow, I'm thankful for such a talented church. That was nice. I feel like I just have closing prayer. That was very nice. Appreciate Isaac and Lorraine Plain. It seemed like Lorraine must have a an identical twin. She's over here and over here. She's everywhere. And uh, we're very appreciative for the program. And what a beautiful setting. Isn't that beautiful? It's very, very nice. I know a lot of work, a lot of... A lot went into that. Um, you'll see the title of the sermon is A Thankful Harp. It's not a misprint. We usually say a thankful a heart. But the inspiration of that came from this. I didn't originate it. I'm going to read to you My Life Today, page 171. If we will consecrate heart and mind to the service of God doing the work he has for us to do, and walking in the footsteps of Jesus, our hearts will become like sacred harps, every chord of which will send forth praise and thanksgiving to the Lamb sent by God to take away the sins of the world. So our heart can be like a harp, and every time we give expression to God in thankfulness, It's like strumming a chord in our heart. God has actually given us a heart that's like a harp. And when we give thanksgiving, it puts us more in tune with heaven. Isn't that right? The more we give thanksgiving, the more we're in harmony with heaven. But what I thought interesting was the context. What was the context of that statement? That our heart could be like a sacred harp. And it says that, Consecrate heart and mind to the service of God. One of the ways my heart can be like a harp is when I say in the morning, I want to serve you. Now, when you think about waking up in the morning, if you make that conscious decision, Father, I want to serve you, is like plucking a string on a harp. And you will think differently, and you will feel differently. It's a different way to begin the day, isn't it? Where your heart is like a harp. The second thing that was mentioned here is to do the work that God has for you now. So you start thinking about, Lord, who have you brought into my life? And instead of thinking about trying to do some greater work, the best way to have your heart like a harp is not think about doing something in the future, but to do something right now. That today is a day in which my heart can be like a heart that is pleasing to God. And puts me in greater and greater harmony with heaven. Is that right? The third thing that was mentioned in this was to walking in the footsteps of Jesus. And we know that the way Jesus walked was that he went about doing, doing good. And one of the greatest ways to allow your heart to be like a harp that is pleasing to God is just to go about doing good. Every kind word is like plucking a string on your heart. Every kind word is like a tune that ascends into heaven. And so our hearts can become very open. Do I need to start over? Good morning. (laughs) 
So it seems like if we're going to have a thankful heart, it's tied to service, isn't it? The more service you bring into your heart, the more you do for other people, the happier you're going to be. The more your heart is like a harp in tune with heaven. And didn't Jesus say, when you've done it unto these, you've done it unto me. When I was hungry, you fed me. I was in prison, you visited me. I was naked and you clothed me. And every time you do that, you're just tuning your heart to be in harmony with heaven. Okay? And if we keep tuning our hearts that way, we're going to become more thankful. Now, the history behind a harp in Genesis 4.21, and this is, uh, and his brother's name was Jubal. So Jabal's brother's name, brother's name is Jubal. So you got Jabal and Jubal. And his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ. So there was a person on the other side of the flood who was the father of all stringed instruments. Wouldn't that have been neat to be that kind of person who kind of brought all that into existence? And probably the most famous harp song, 1 Samuel 16, 23. And it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David took a harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well and the evil spirit departed from him. So we could ask ourselves the question. I mean, that's probably the most famous harp story. Does a harp have that kind of effect on our mind? Can it? You know, there's something called harp therapy. Have you ever heard of harp therapy? Sometimes before surgeries, they'll have somebody come in and play a harp to relax the patient. So they're more relaxed. They're thinking different. They never say to Mrs. Smith with a bypass, let me play a little rock music for you before we put you under. No, it's always a harp. It's always something that's soothing, okay? Everything that's soothing there. You know, they did uh, experiments with plants and harps. When plants, and plants don't have ears, I understand that. But they do respond to sunlight. They respond to water. Right? They respond to temperature. They respond to waves, sound waves. Because my voice right now is real. It's a sound wave. Okay? It is real. And plants even respond to that. So when they play a harp, plants grow better and they're healthier. When plants, and I shouldn't say listen but are affected by the vibrations of rock music, what happens to plants? They get stunted, and some of them even die. So it does matter what kinds of waves we're creating. With my voice right now, I can create pleasant waves that your ears hear that helps you personally. Or I could say words that would be like, oh, I don't want to listen to that. Because that also affects you personally. So one of the ways to have your heart like a harp is to always say kind things. Always say loving things. Because those waves are real. And they not just affect plants, they affect us.
In the same way, our own thoughts affect us chemically. Different thoughts produce different chemicals in the body. Evil thoughts produce chemicals like cortisol that brings disease. Loving thoughts produce other kinds of things, other kinds of chemicals that brings health to the body. But so does sound. Okay? When we look at the Bible in like um, Revelation chapter 4, we find some harp stories there. But notice what the four living creatures around the throne said. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 7, And the four beasts and had each of them six wings about them, and they were full of eyes within. They rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever. The four living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to God. They are producing waves, aren't they? In what they speak, they're producing waves. And those waves that they produce, God enjoys. The 144,000 do the same thing. The 24 elders, they all are praising God with their voice. They're all saying the right kinds of words with the right kind of tone. It does make a difference. But one of the things they all do is they all play what? All of them do. The four living creatures, the 24 elders, the 144,000, and all of God's people, the redeemed, will play a what? Yep, we're going to have music lessons in heaven, right? And I love the dare spent language here this morning, right? Didn't you? But we're all going to learn one more language. What is it? The language of Canaan. Isn't that something? We're all going to go to heaven. There will be another language there for all of us to speak. But perhaps the most beautiful harp story I've ever read involves Adam. We know that Adam sinned. And that sin brought death to our world. He lived a thousand years. And when he died, before he died, I know he gave his heart to the Lord. I know he was redeemed. But he could look out at all the destruction of his sin. But in the resurrection, he's going to awake. God will raise him from his dusty grave. And he'll be taken to heaven. And I want to read you this harp story. So Adam winds up in heaven with the redeemed. Notice what it says here. He sees the vines that his own hands had trained. Isn't that interesting? Eden will be restored. The same Eden that he was taken and said you have to leave was going to be restored. The same vines that he had himself personally ministered to are there. The very flowers that he wants love to care for, care of are there. His mind grasps the reality of the scene. He comprehends that this is indeed Eden restored. The very home that he had. The Savior leads him to the tree of life. And plucks the glorious fruit and bids him eat. He looks about him and beholds a multitude of his family redeemed. 
standing in the paradise of God. Then he, Adam, cast his glittering crown at the feet of Jesus, and falling upon his breast, Jesus' breast, embraces the Redeemer. Can you imagine that beautiful picture? And then the next it says, this is from Great Controversy 648, he, Adam, touches the golden harp, and the vaults of heaven echo the triumphant song, worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain and lives again. The family of Adam take up the strain and cast their crowns at the Savior's feet as they bow before him in adoration. It's a beautiful scene. In fact, these beautiful scenes, the harp is so much associated with all that is good. But our heart can be a heart, a harp, associated with everything that's that's good. I want to give you another harp idea, reading from the Spirit of Prophecy. My Life Today, page 148. It is not only the privilege, but the sacred duty of all to understand the laws God has established in their beings. And as they more fully understand the human body, they will seek to bring their bodies into subjection to the nobler powers of the mind. The body will be regarded by them as a wonderful structure formed by the infinite designer and given in their charge to keep this harp of a thousand strings in harmonious action. Not only is your heart like a sacred harp, but your entire body, both mental and physical, is like a harp with a thousand strings. And the reason it's like a thousand strings is because what you think affects your body. And what your lifestyle is affects your brain. That interconnection, that sympathy between mind and body is like a thousand strings on a harp. And what you and I want to do every day is to bring mind, body, and soul into harmony with God. This is why God has a message about all of us. Everything about us. Our mind, our body, our spirit. Because everything is interconnected. And we want to bring our life into such harmony with God's beautiful, perfect laws both moral laws and health laws or physical laws, that our life throughout the day is just one beautiful harp playing for God. That everything you do, whatever you think, whatever you feel, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, is all in harmony with God, giving glory to God with every positive decision that you make is how you give thanks to God each and every day. It's not just saying thank you to God, using those words, it's every decision you make to allow your life to be a harp with a thousand strings in perfect agreement with God's will. Now, let me close with just some of the health benefits and the spiritual benefits of bringing our life in harmony with God. With the idea of always being thankful. Do you know if you're depressed that you have a 30% more risk of a heart attack? Which means that if you're thankful, you reduce your work, your your uh, risk of heart attack. Being thankful makes you healthier. 
you're two and a half more times likely to have psoriasis if you're depressed. And so happy thoughts, thankful heart, helps us and keeps us in good physical condition. Migraines, two and a half times more likely to have migraines if we suffer from anxiety. Where we're not thinking about being thankful, we keep thinking about our problems. But if we focus and change and say, no, I'm going to think more about my what I'm thankful for, it helps deal with migraines. The benefits of thankfulness is reduced depression, an increase of energy, decrease in blood pressure, strengthens the immune system. You reach your goals faster because when you're more thankful, you have more strength. Uh, you have more vitality, and it increases your productivity. When you're thankful, you're more likable. You've never heard anyone say, I sure like Jim. He's the nastiest guy I've ever met. You'll never hear anybody say that. No, you're going to say, I like Jim because he is so thankful, so positive, so loving. Right? If you're more thankful, it reduces emotions like envy and hatred and anger. It increases positive emotions like love and empathy towards people. If I am more thankful to God, I will have more empathy towards my fellow man. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So, for us to be more thankful this week, think about someone you can help this week. And if you write down a person's name and think about what you could do for that person, you're more likely to be thankful to, to God himself. You'll also be more likely to depend upon God to be able to carry out the very thing you want to do. It's also helpful to think about things that Jesus did that were kind. What did Jesus do that was kind? And by thinking about his life, it makes us more likely to be kind and generous to others. Now, some of the spiritual benefits, and I'll close with this. The more I am thankful to God, the more I get a sense God's presence in my life. So if I go through the day and I'm only thinking about my problems, I may be blaming God, let alone being thankful to God. But if I can thank God for this and thank Him for this, and I write down someone's name, and I help them, I am going to be more thankful to God, and I'm going to sense God's presence with me. Okay? When we are thankful to God, we are less focused on temporal things, and we become more mindful of eternal things. The devil is going to try to get you to focus on all your problems, all your complaints, so that you only think about what? Earthly things. But if we can become thankful to God for this and for this, even the little things, we'll begin to think more about eternal things. And I'm telling you, friends, we're living in the very end of time. And the devil's going to try to get your thoughts to focus on the earthly and all the problems instead of being thankful. If I am thankful to God every day, 
And I keep adding to my list every day. I'm thankful today for something. Tomorrow I'll add something else that I'm thankful for. And I keep increasing that list. I am more likely to be submissive to God. Isn't that right? If I'm not thankful for God, if I can't think of one thing I'm thankful for, am I likely to submit my will to God? Not likely. The more I am thankful, the more likely I'm going to surrender my life to Him. So think about those positive things, the things, the positive things in life, the things you're thankful for. The Bible says to rejoice always. Now, one of the important ingredients to be joyful is an ingredient called thankfulness. The more I am thankful, the more I'm going to rejoice. They're connected. They're kissing cousins, so to speak, right? The more I am thankful, the stronger is my faith. Faith in who? Faith in God. If I can't find something to be thankful for, my faith is mostly in myself. I'm going to try to figure out how to handle this all by myself. But if I become more and more thankful for God, when I am in the circumstances, I'm going to be more likely to turn to God to find solutions. Be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. And lastly... The more thankful I am, the more peace I'm going to have. One of the greatest diseases in our society is depression and anxiety. And a lot of that is where a person's focus is. The focus often is on the problem, not the solution. But if we can be thankful to God, then we begin to understand who's the one who's going to heal me. And then I'll begin to trust him more. I'll begin to think differently. I think more positively. I'm going to have more peace in my life, more joy in my life. I'll become more and more thankful. And each one of these things feeds on the other. And so one of the simplest things I heard someone say, you got this month now. On the first day of the month, be thankful for something to God. Day two, be thankful for two things. And by the end of the month, you're thankful for 30 things. And at the end of the month, when you express to God that you're thankful for 30 things, will you see things differently? Will you feel better? Will you have more peace? You'll be more focused on eternal things? Someone said, let's not just be thankful, was it Lorraine, just at Thanksgiving, or someone said that today. But Thanksgiving is good because it reminds us to be thankful. And maybe there ought to be more than one time a year where we just set a date and say, you know, let's just spend a Sabbath and you don't have to hear me preach. We can hear one another explain and express our thankfulness to God. We should have at least, I'm thinking, what, one Sabbath a quarter? Is that too much? Is that fair enough? We can try it. One Sabbath a quarter where we just come here and we give God thanks. We set a date and you're thinking about it, praying about it. What can I share with my brothers and sisters about what I'm thankful for in God? Does that sound like a plan? Uh, What's the last Sabbath? Is that communion always? 
No, it's not. It's, it hasn't been, though? Well, can we make the last Sabbath of each quarter our Sabbath of thankfulness that we do this at least four times a year? Because, you know, what God did with the, the Israelites is several times a year, at least four times a year, they come to Jerusalem giving thanks to God all at the sanctuary, right? For the plan of salvation. We could do that locally. We don't have to go to Jerusalem. We could do it right here and give God praise. Because you know, friends, He's worthy. So the last Sabbath of each quarter, let's dedicate of bringing a gift of thankfulness to God. What do you say?